0: Welcome to Manifestable, and today I'm in front of a live audience with serial entrepreneur Ali Webb, and here is a taste of what we talked about.
1: At this phase of my life, I'm trying things again, and I I so wholeheartedly believe that to your point, exploring your curiosity and what you like leads you one way or another to something that ends up being something that you do make money off of, but you weren't that wasn't the big goal, you know.
0: Welcome to Manifestable, where you'll receive profound breakthroughs, courage to break old patterns and live into your soul's purpose. Each week, I will bring you epic guests, live coaching and manifestation tools to remind you of your power. You have the ability to achieve extraordinary things and the time to start is now. I'm constantly asked where I find the energy to run three businesses and travel the world all while being a wife and a mom of two. And the truth is there are a lot of tools in my belt to manage my energy, but I have to be really real. One of my favorite ones is drinking Cacao Bliss. Actually, I am drinking it right now. I like doing it when I have to work because it gives me so much energy. It gives me energy without the crash like caffeine does or like coffee, which totally messes up your adrenals. And it actually taps me into my heart, which makes me feel more connected to source and to source energy. It is absolutely game changing for me. And when I discovered the superfood that cacao is, I knew I needed to bring it to the masses. So everyone could experience a healthy alternative to energy drinks, supplements, Coffee, whatever it is, so that you have access to a healthy, delicious, amazing chocolatey drink. And that is why I created Cacao Bliss. Now, it's not just raw cacao, it is infused with seven additional superfoods. So it's super amazing for immunity. It has this amazing chocolatey, decadent taste with only less than one gram of sugar. So that is insane. So if you want to experience the healing powers of Cacao Bliss, for a limited time only, you can go to earthechofoods.com. You can grab yourself a bag, I suggest too, <laughs> of Cacao Bliss by using the code MANIFESTABLE. This is for all of you Manifestable podcast listeners. Go to earthechofoods.com and use the code at checkout, MANIFESTABLE, and you're going to get 15% off your order. Yeah, 15% off. So go to earthechofoods.com and use MANIFESTABLE at checkout and get 15% off. Now let's get back to the show. Today on the Manifestable podcast, we have Allie Webb. Allie Webb is a New York Times bestselling author. She's Canopy president, co founder of Dry Bar, Squeeze, and Beckett and Quill. Dry Bar was placed in over 150 locations across the US, which was originally started in her living room, just helping do blowouts for moms, which grew into a massive company that exploded nationally Webb diversified the dry bar brand she also created fine products and tools sold at popular retailers such as nordstrom sephora and ulta what I really think about Ali Webb is she's a serial entrepreneur, and she was also touted in Inc. Magazine's How I Did This Issue, named as 100 Most Creative People in Business. And by Fast Company and Fortune Magazine, she's the 40 under 40 list. She's been labeled under Marie Claire's Most Fascinating Women. And recently, Inc. Magazine recognized her as the 100 Women Building Business, America's Most Innovative and Ambitious Businesses. She has appeared on also Shark Tank as a guest shark in 2019. Ali is so fun to talk with as we really peel back the curtain of what drives her. How does she think about business? How does she think about investments? We do this in front of a live audience. It was so much fun. Can't wait to welcome Ali Webb to the show. I have been super fascinated to interview you. Ah, oh, thank you. I mean, come on. <laughs> Isn't it so fun to see all these incredible humans up here? Hi, well, this is a, a collective group of really powerful, selective women just to kind of bring them into a live setting. I think it changes up. You know, we're all growing here together. So girl, what drives you? I mean, some people do one, two businesses. Why
1: so many? What's driving you? Well, dry bar, obviously, being the biggest success in my arsenal, and really, it was like after building dry bar for ten years—well, more like thirteen years—but I was a part of it for about ten years. We sold it, and that's a whole other story. But you know, I think it's just the entrepreneurial in blood in me. This like kind of the ideas. (laughs) come fast and furious for me. And really more from a place of like, there's just, and I'm sure everybody feels this way. It's like, you know, something that you love in the world, a place that you go that you love or you shop or you get coffee or whatever you do. It's like, chances are it's okay. There's so much room for things to be better in my opinion. And I think that that comes from my watching my parents when I was a kid and they just had this like old lady clothing store, like the schmota business is what they called it. It was like, I think you had to be over 60 to shop there. And But, you know, I watched my parents and their attention to detail and customer service and all of that. And, you know, I remember even like my first jobs when I was like 16 working in a clothing store and I was kind of always the overachiever and like everybody was like, you know, take cool it easy. you're making us look bad, you know, <laughs> um, it was just really natural to me. And, and anyways, you know, fast forward to all these years and the impetus of Dry Bar just like any great business, was personal necessity. It's like, which is the point that I'm making, is that there's so much opportunity out there. You know, and like with Squeeze, our massage concept, it's such a similar problem we noticed in the massage space. It's like Drybar, the reason that Drybar, I think, worked so well is because when when you think about 13 years ago, where you could go and get a blowout. It was like, you know, at a discount chain, you're sitting next to a, hair, a kid getting their hair cut. the experience is off. It's like, you just want to get in and out of there as fast as you can. You don't know what you're going to get charged. Like it was all bad. And as like a naturally curly haired girl growing up <laughs> in like, South Florida. Need, like, my hair done. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I always was like looking for a cheap, good blowout. And so there was like the discount chain option or there was like the salon option where the stylist wanted to be doing a haircut or color because that's where the real money was. And so that was really expensive. And there wasn't anything in the middle, which is what I always wanted. And so having been a hairstylist for as long as, you know, I went to beauty school in my early 20s and totally fell in love with it. And I think I went mostly because I just wanted to learn how to blow out my own hair. <laughs> Again, I grew up in South Florida and my hair was so crazy. And I was like, I don't know how to do it, you know? And so that started like, you know, what be, would become a um, passion of mine. But anyway, so the reason that Dry Bar I think worked was because we were able to come in and create a better experience and price point and everything around a blowout. You know, when we started Dry Bar, it was $35. We've increased in 13 years. But the idea was like an affordable blowout in a beautiful, luxurious place that just didn't exist, you know? And so obviously it worked and, you know, we grew and grew and it, you know, it was this massive success that none of us really saw coming. But then to answer your question and fast forward to these other businesses, it's like, so Squeeze it's the same situation. It's like when you think about massage concept, usually they're like, I'm not going to mention names, but you know those massage concepts that are like, you know, the hole in the wall. You kind of don't know what you're going to get. The decor is bad. You have to, if you want a book, you have to call 16 locations. You know, it's just like, or you're going to a high-end spa where you're paying, you know, at least 150, 200, if not more. And so we were like, why isn't there a better option for massage? And the big differentiator with Squeeze, which we don't have for Drybar, is this app that you book on the app, you tip on the app. So it's like the Uber or Postmates. Yeah, you're not having it because no one wants to pay after you're groggy coming out of a massage. Exactly, And so you just like walk out because you've paid before you come in. And it has all the bells and whistles that Drybar has and lots of little surprise and delights and things. So that's kind of how we approach all these businesses is like taking something that potentially already exists and making making it it better, better, you know, and that's not that hard to do. I don't think maybe it is. But you know, I think that it's not that hard to find, I should say. That's true. Not hard to find. But then how do you execute on that? Because it
0: requires team.
1: Yeah, I mean, it requires a lot of things. It requires vision. It requires having a lot of smart people around you. It requires money. It requires resources, like all sorts of things. But it's not a hard thing to necessarily spot because I can guarantee you like something that you love and you love doing, or you love going, you're like, I love this place, but God, it could be a little better. The People could be a little nicer. It could be a little cleaner. The service could be a little better. You know, it's like all of these things, you know, and listen, it's hard to get it perfect. And of course, it's not always perfect at Dry Bar, but that's the goal, you know? And like, especially with Squeeze, it's like, we basically looked at the massage space and was like, okay, here's what sucks about going and getting a massage. And we're going to try to rectify all of that and create a business around it.
0: Wow, okay. So for someone who's starting a business, and when you're, because you're now like this, you're a serial entrepreneur. I yeah. mean, you're just going. I could say that. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say is your greatest asset, the first thing that you get when you're going to start on a business? Let's so say you're going to start Squeeze. You've already done it. But say you're going to start Squeeze. You have this concept. You have this vision. Because It sounds like you're the visionary in a lot so of ways. My, my, Squeeze is
1: my brother's idea, not oh, mine. not yours. Yeah. What I would you say credit, is the biggest is key? Would it be hiring the CEO? Would it be... Well, what I mean, it, it depends on so many things. I mean, first and foremost is like figuring out, is this a concept that, that you can actually get to work? God, it's like, you know, you start making lists and you start figuring, like doing the math on it to see how it works. I mean, for us, we spent a year building this app out because we knew that that was a really, which really Which is kind of expensive. Which is expensive. And, you know, luckily, oh. my brother and I basically funded... The whole thing. The project, yeah. And, you know, we are investors and advisors. We actually took our old head of marketing, Brittany Driscoll, who's the CEO of Squeeze and and our co-founder, because she was already on her way out. Drybar, she had helped us build it for a long time. She was ready for her next adventure. And so she was leaving and on very good terms. And we were like, listen, before you go and take this other job, we have this idea. We can't do it right now. At the time, we were still very much in Drybar. But would you be interested in you know spearheading this for us and you know and she loved the idea and the concept so was finding someone that would yeah spearhead. I mean you got to find somebody I mean in my case you know Drybar was very much me I was like leading everything and I was the person who was like doing every job under the sun which is just what you do when you're a founder and you're starting a company and slowly but surely you start adding people to help you which is very very important and it's really how Brittany started you know Brittany I think our first hire really was this guy, Dave, who built the app and he had a lot of experience in that because we knew we were going to have to work backwards and we were going to have to like, this app was the most important thing. And then simultaneously looking for locations and then doing, you know, all the millions of things that happened in between. But, you know, I don't think that there's one hard and fast way to do it. I mean, when we started Drybar, like I had no experience as a CEO. I was never actually the CEO of Drybar with my brother, but I knew I could make enough lists and knew enough things to do to get us going, you know? And then I would fill in with people to help me. I mean, I've asked for a million favors. I've asked for so much help over the years of like things that I don't know, which was a lot, you know, I mean, I would definitely say there was, there probably still is a lot more that I don't know than I, than I do know. So you have to be willing to ask and be willing to get a no. I just saw, cause I've, Fucking him on Instagram too much. But you know, there was like a clip and it was like Steve Jobs. It was an old, old clip of Steve Jobs. And he was saying, and I was just it hit me because he was saying that no one's ever said no to him when he asked a favor. And this was like early Steve Jobs, like before I mean it basically maybe basically it like, it's a clip of him saying no one said no to him. He's saying no one said no to helping him. Like anybody he asked for a favor. I'm like, I'm just going to... No, but but you
0: know what? I get what you're saying. But he was like, he
1: asked like some CEO, like, hey, could I, you know, get some parts from your company? And they're like, sure. Could I get this? Like, sure. You'd be... My point with this is that you'd be surprised how much people are willing oh, so to of like a fly. Um, <laughs> I gotta get this thing. <laughs> you'd be surprised how much people are willing to help you is my point, you know, is so that- So you gotta you just ask, ask. You gotta ask. And like the worst thing you can get is a no, which like, okay, you lick your wounds and go home. But like most people, and I'm like this too, if you ask me for a favor, chances are I'm gonna either say yes or point you in the right direction. I mean, of course, not all the time, but I think that there, for me, I was very like bullish about, Asking. Hey, I need help. I Do you know how to do this? Do you know what this looks like? Do you have this? Like, you know, and, and you just ask and ask and ask. And I'm a, I'm a big believer, especially as my company grew, like I always ask with like something in return, like, hey, I'll give you a couple of free blowouts. Could you let me know? You know, and sometimes people are like, yeah, sure, I would have done it anyways. But it's just that like you want to give, you know, if you're yeah, asking, totally. you want to give too. So yeah, it's always been kind of a philosophy of mine.
0: Is there any investments you've done thinking they're going to go well and they haven't?
1: Yes, tons. Tons. How many yeah, investments have you I made? I mean, in toll- I make tons of investments, and and you know, it's as a not like professional investor, meaning that like I have like a team of people who like invest my money, and they do it in like very smart, proving this like all they do all day long, like they know that stuff. Like I don't know that. I make investments based on gut and friends, you know. Which by the way, I've pulled back from doing that a lot. But it is a like exciting thing when you see a company that you think is doing something great. But it is also really telling that like most companies don't make it or like at least don't get sold, you know? So, you know, I mean, i most of those were like small investments and some of them are like still ongoing, but you kind of like make peace with that money, like that you're never seeing it again. And a lot of the investments I've made really have been with like friends that I was trying to support their business and so few businesses really make it. Okay. I want to ask, because I've
0: been approached by friends for investments. Have you made investments with friends strictly because they're friends and you're like, Hey, I care for you and I want to support your dream. But deep down, you knew I was probably
1: never going to see that money again. I mean, not quite that extreme. Like if there have been friends who've come to me and I've looked at their numbers and their business model and their like year over year growth and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, no, I mean, I'm not going to just throw away money either, you know, and like, this is just not a good investment. If I believe in it and I think like it all lines up and I always have people review anything that I'm going oh, in yeah. to invest in to okay. make sure like things that I may not notice. So I wouldn't just invest like just for blindly friendship. like that. But I have invested in companies that I, in retrospect, probably wouldn't have done, but I was like really excited about it then. But you know, yeah, it wasn't the greatest thing. And, but you know, there has also been friends that I've made very small investments just because they wanted to have me a part of it and whatever. And so, yeah, so it's, it's kind of all over the board, but I've, you know, in the last couple of years, kind of made it like I'm not investing anymore policy for right now. Just I've, I had so it's many. It's like other... saying I'm not going to buy on Amazon for a while. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's also because I've I've had my own projects going for a while. So. Yeah. What project right now is lighting you up the most? Honestly, it was it, in the last like little while. It's probably more been my book. Well, it's called the Messy Truth, and I've been working on it for a couple of years now, and it's basically like a memoir meets business book. You know, it's basically like my whole journey from like when I was a kid to like how I got inspired with hair and like how we built Drybar and why we built Drybar. And then like the millions of lessons that I learned along the way. I didn't go to college, so I didn't have any traditional education or background, you know, I knew not not much about business other than what I learned from my parents in those early formative years. And so, yeah, it's really just the whole journey. And then my life like falling apart and my son went to rehab and it was just like life got very crazy and, and messy. And it all smoothed out. <laughs> but, uh, and my son just went to college. He just got a football scholarship to college. Like he's doing amazing. But yeah, it's just, it's fucking messy. It's your messy. It's true. messy. I love so that. That's the whole like idea of the book is like, it's a very authentic, I'm going to give it to you straight story of, you know, it's a lot of business lessons, a lot of things that I learned, raising money, like growing and scaling, hiring, everything in between. Plus, you know, some of the personal stuff that happens too.
0: Wow. Okay. Because sometimes we think of these people that have a business, sell it. We just had Jamie here as well. And Jamie, Karen- yeah, yeah, she was just here. And I, I want to ask, cause I'm sensing people are feeling this. What makes you want, cause writing a book, you guys is no joke. It is a no process. Joke. And it is not, I don't know, I've done, you know, three businesses and writing two books for Hay House. I was like, writing a book is like no joke. So yeah. what makes you want to write a book when you've actually already are successful? You don't even need to promote anything from the book. What drives you to write the book? Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you are someone who has big dreams or a big vision for your life, but doesn't know how to get there or isn't unsure of how to go from this vision to actual conceptualizing the thing. And I want to help you unlock the power within you and manifest your wildest dreams. So I created a program to help you do just that. This is my Manifest Anything program. It literally will show you how to manifest anything, whether you want to claim it as being something small or something big. If you're ready to tap into the limitless possibilities of the universe and turn your dreams into reality, this program is the key to your success. I want you to join me in this Manifest Anything program where I'll show you how to harness the law of attraction and manifest your deepest desires. In this program, you'll gain access to a treasure trove of life-transforming tools, techniques, and wisdom that took me from being a newly divorced single mother with literally $47 to my name to living a life far beyond my wildest dreams. You'll learn how to set powerful intentions, create a magnetic vision board. I'm not talking your scrapbook vision board. I'm talking something different and align your energy with the universe to effortlessly attract abundance, love, success, and more. The effort that you actually have to place into this is actually doing the program. This is how this works. Hundreds of individuals have gone through this program and manifested unexpected money falling into their laps, dream homes, job opportunities, relationships, and more. So if you're ready to step into your true power and manifest your deepest desires, I invite you to head over to manifest.manifestablepodcast.com. So you're going to do this. You're going to put in manifest dot, then com. Again, that's manifest.manifestablepodcast.com to sign up for this program and start manifesting your deepest desires. I'm also gonna put this in the show notes right now so you can just click the link and go right there. You deserve a life beyond your wildest dreams. You deserve to have that thing in your heart and it's time to join me. You have nothing to lose because I'm gonna show you exactly how to do it, what it takes step by step we're going to do this together go ahead and click the link in the show notes or open up your computer your phone and put in com. let's get started
1: well i think it's in this stage in my life you know you ask like what's what's taking up most of my time i mean i'm i, have, I think what i have found on the other side of building and growing and selling Drybar is this like calling to give back to other entrepreneurs. And I've learned so much. And like I said, I've leaned on so many people over the years. And I feel like I've always kind of asked myself this question during Drybar and beyond of like, what's my highest and best use? And I feel like I have a lot of knowledge up there, (laughs) you know, that it's like, let me give it to the world and to these other entrepreneurs who are like, what the hell am I supposed to do now? You know, I mean, we all run up in, against that question at some point. And when we started Drybar, which was 2010, it was the landscape looked very different. There were no female entrepreneurs that you really, except for like Candace Nelson, who's a dear friend of mine, Sprinkles founder. I mean there just wasn't a lot of women who had started companies. It's quite different now, which is amazing. And I think there's, you know, there's things like Create and Cultivate. And I'm actually, another project that I'm working on is a mastermind called The Blueprint, which I'm actually, it's funny that I mentioned Create and Cultivate because my partner in that is Jacqueline Johnson, who's the founder of Create and Cultivate. And she, and her and I have been like for years, like, what can we do? How do we give back? And we're both on, there's a site called Intro where people can like basically pay for time to talk about their business. And it's, it's a great platform. Anyway, so, you know, all of these things that I've been doing have been kind of in this same vein of like wanting to help impart what I know, what yeah. I've learned. And, you know, and and what's fascinating is, it's crazy again, I'm sure you guys can relate. It's like, you forget all the stuff that you got in there, you know? And when... I'm on a call with somebody with an entrepreneur and they're like, so I'm I'm when I'm on a call or I'm talking to an entrepreneur and they're like, well, you know, this and this is happening in my business, and so and I'm like, oh, well, here's what you can do. And then I give them all these ideas, and I'm like, where did that come from? You know, it's just it's stuff easy. that's like, yeah. it's just stored. It's easy. I mean, it's an enjoyable for me because, and listen, it's hindsight is and having like a zoomed out view from anything is easier than when you're in it. You know, when you're in it, it's really hard to see what's happening. But when you're, you're outside and you're looking in and you have some experience, it's pretty amazing. And so it's really satisfying and gratifying to me to be able to be like, Oh, like I just really helped this person, whether it's get inspired or give them something really tangible that they can take away and do, or, you know, whatever it is. And then they're really grateful and they feel like, okay, I got it. I'm going to go do this thing, you know? that's cool. So I think that's really where, again, in this like second phase of my life is I just feel this calling to be of service. And I think, listen, I think that's my best, that's the best thing I have to offer the world right. is is really what I've learned in, exactly. in growing these businesses.
0: Do you ever deal with worthiness issues of, am I worthy to start this business? Or am I worthy to go after this thing that now I'm thinking about that feels bigger than dry bar, bigger than? yeah,
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, of course, I think there's, there's moments where It's like not all working, and you're like, oh man, like you do start to doubt yourself. I try not to let myself get too carried away in that, and I don't think I care all that much about what people think. You know, I mean, I care to a certain degree, like anybody, but I don't think about it. You know, I mean, it's like people are gonna like you, people are not gonna like you. I think I I walk the line with like being overly political or being like really out. I'm not an I'm not super outwardly opinionated. I'm more. Like vulnerable with my own shit, and I will talk about that. But I'm not talking about like who I think should be the next president, and I'm not talking about because those kinds of things are so polarizing and make people so upset. <laughs> and I just don't want to get into that. Yeah, so I don't think I, I don't, I just don't think I allow myself to think about it. Yeah, you see different. Much. Like, do you guys feel this different energy? I'm around a lot of
0: different people, and there is an energy that you put off of. You're quite neutral. There's a neutral neutrality to you of what I'm getting at is I could feel that she could care less if I liked her or not. <laughs> no, I care. And no, I, you do, but not really. Let's no, like, no, not no, no, so no, no. True. It's not a bad thing. I'm actually complimenting you.
1: <laughs> it's not but that I, feel, I don't
0: care, but like if really you're right. If you if Yeah, you but you're like anyway, it has nothing to do with me. Yeah, like I feel like that's very true. I feel true. like that energy is very much permeating, which makes you very powerful because there's no because w- when we have these energies towards other people, of like I want you to like me, or yeah. I don't like you, or whatever the emotion is, yeah. the other person's energy feeds into it. When you're neutral, there's no energy to feed into it with yeah. you. Yeah,
1: I think of it a little bit more as like maybe neutral, but almost like a calm. Like it's yeah. just like it is what it is. It is what it is. You know, and I, I certainly wasn't always like that. I have always felt like I have something to prove, and and it, it's been an interesting journey with this book. And like, you know, you, you mentioned like why you don't have to prove yourself and whatever. And I don't feel like I have to prove myself. My only hope for this book is that people love it and get a lot out of it. There was a moment where I was like, oh, I really wanted to be a New York Times bestseller, which yeah, I would love that. But like, I don't care if it's you, not you get to that point you go yeah, back to neutrality yeah and my first book was a new york times bestseller by the way so i always get to say that you know and so i was <laughs> you're you like know, we're done <laughs> so i'm like well you know it'd be nice to say two time bestselling <laughs> author of course but if it doesn't it doesn't and i think that there is a like it is crazy and i didn't hear much from the last guy but i had an idea of what he does and i am a very big like the things that you put out in the universe and the things that like you kind of take your hands off the wheel and you're like, it has not failed in my life when I've been like, you know what, I'm going to just, you know, hope for the best and not worry about this. And sure enough, those are the things that come in. And it's not like a bullshit statement. Like I would love for the book to be like a roaring success and it like everybody loves it and everybody wants me to talk about it. Like, of course, that'd be amazing. That'd be great for my ego and all that. But I also am not especially attached to that outcome either. So interesting. I'd love the book to be successful and I'd love for it to help people. And that's the biggest goal for it. Do you you meditate? Are Are you a meditator? You are. Mm -hmm. And so do you visualize
0: outcomes of what you're like
1: dreaming of and visualizing? Not so much in in meditation, as I do more of like just trying to like go like clear on my mind and try to just like block out all the things. But I am a big manifester. I have a manifesting journal. Okay. This is now we're getting into this. Okay. Tell us about but this. But I man. don't, I think I've written in it that, that I hope my book is a big success maybe once, you know, but there's a lot of other things that I've written in it more, but things that are just I want to see happen in my How life. How often do you write in this journal? Every day. I have like a morning ritual. Okay, tell us this morning ritual that works for you. Recently, I stopped looking at my phone in the morning. I have one son in college and I know where he is. I know he's safe. He's like on the campus, which is Totally. Great. And I can I can like see where he is at any time. I mean, I'm tracking him. He's tracking me too, by the She's way. On, um, he's on,
0: uh, What is it? 360 and like 360.
1: And my um my other son is is in high school and he's he's in 11th grade, so I'm up by like seven most days and and I'm, it's a newer practice, not looking at my phone, but it's really freeing. Like oh yeah, I have my phone on do not disturb when I go to sleep. And then, you know, when I wake up, I don't look at anything, you know, it's like my alarm goes off, I put it away and I go, I get my son up. It's like the, make sure he's up is the first thing. I make coffee and he's in 11th grade. He doesn't like to eat breakfast. So there's like, he walks to school. So there's like, I don't How really much to, to do. It's great. <laughs> so, you know, I go sit outside on my back patio and I write in my journal and I, well, let me back up. When I wake up, the first thing I do is meditate before I do anything.
0: It's a pretty morning, powerful yeah. things you're sharing. Okay. Yeah, the
1: first thing I do is like meditate for like 20 to 30 minutes. I know it's a lot. And I know it's hard to do if you have like little kids and whatever, but I'm lucky I don't have, I have older kids. And so I meditate first and then I go down and get make sure my son's up. Then I sit outside and I write in my journal and I, it's like a journal. It's this thing called Project 369. It's great because you write and then you read this, like, it's always this really powerful thing that like you read after it and I always read it and love it. And then, and then after I do the writing, that's when I'll like get on my phone, which is usually when I'm, then I take my dog on a walk and that's usually when I will start to like get into my phone and respond to text messages and look at email and all that stuff. That is awesome. And it's like not every day is perfect like that. If I have to be somewhere early, like it all gets yeah thrown a away jumbled. a little bit. But that is like my standard morning routine.
0: And you're writing your dreams in that journal.
1: Yeah. Okay. And a lot of the manifesting and this, I am learning a lot about manifesting now. It's like manifesting what you want to have happen, like as if it already happened, which is so trippy, but kind of fun, you know? So fun. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Would you say you're a competitive person? On a scale of
0: 1 to 10, 10 being the most competitive, what, where are you at? Probably like a 7 or 8. Okay. Like if we were playing cards right now, you'd want to beat me? Probably, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I also, I mean, yeah, I always want to win. <laughs> well, that's
0: what I want to know. Who doesn't want to win? <laughs> There's but, people that could
1: care less. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, I, you're right. I care. I'm, maybe I'm more like an 8 or a 9. I, um, She's like a 10. I'm going to beat you. <laughs> I used to play tennis really competitively when I was a kid and... I stopped playing and I haven't played in years, but I recently started taking lessons again. And my tennis coach, he's very like weirdly, and I'm not really that into signs. I don't think about that stuff that much, although I do, I'm starting to find it more interesting, but he's like, you're such a Pisces, you know, you're in a rush, you have no patience. And I was like, oh my God, that's so true about how I am. He's like, and competitive, you know? And I was like, yeah, I get, once I get on the court and I start hitting the racket, like it just something comes over me that I get very, very competitive, so- I yeah. feel like
0: you kind of use that probably that personality trait in business. There's like yeah. a a tenaciousness and a drive that comes when you're quite competitive. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just
1: kind of, you're right. It's a drive of like, I think one of my superpowers is like, I can figure most things out. You know, I'm so I'm like a dog with a bone is the best way I could put it. Like, And that's how I've been described by like family members for years. If there's something I'm interested in, like you cannot stop me from, figuring it out or getting it. I'm very, very, very driven in that way. You know, and I think it's like a little less now. I think I was more driven when I was younger and I was in like the building phase. Like I've built yeah. something and I've, you know, I've, I've earned the fruits of my labor at this point. But I, I, when I get like fixated on something, like you can't stop me. Wow. What
0: you, I think I read, you'll have to correct me, that when your children are born, you took a break from working. I did. How I long did you take off? Five years. How was that for someone who likes a dog and a bone in their mouth (laughs) driving? How was that? I don't
1: think I was like a fully developed person yet then. You know, I mean, I had, I mean, we changed so much, right? I mean, I'm 48. I had my first son when I was 30. And before that, I had like jumped around from like thing to thing. I'd worked in hair and I, I worked in PR and I lived in New York City. And I was like, just bouncing around from thing to thing. And I really... I mean, since I could remember, wanted to have babies. And so I was very driven and that was the goal. <laughs> that was the and goal. I had babies. <laughs> so when my son was born, Grant, who's now 18 and in college, which is just such a trip, I was like happy as a clam to be a stay-at-home mom. And and at that point, I hadn't... the I didn't have that bug or the desire to build something. Even though my parents had their own business, like I was not the person really up until like we started Drybar, I was not like, oh, I got to go figure out a business and be an entrepreneur and make a lot of money and blah, blah, blah. Like, you, were, you were content where you were. Yeah. And I think I've always been relatively content wherever I was because I've always felt like I'm not to sound too woo-woo, but I'm like where I'm supposed to be, you know? And I always felt that way. Were you guys talking about that? Before? We sure were. Yeah. That was
0: like the final statement Yeah. <laughs> the
1: last one. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, it's like, I don't think that I even thought about it. I just, when I had my son... I mean, I I cannot tell you the peace and happiness that I had. I mean, I was like, this kid was like, you know, I mean, we all feel this way about our kids, right? Especially the first one. It's like a gift from God. And you're like, how did I, I made a human? It's just so trippy when you have a baby and you're like, oh my God. And now like, don't kill it, you know? And and I spent, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to spend, I really thought I had hit the lottery because, you know, at the time my ex-husband, he had an advertising job, so he made, Good money. I was able to stay home with my son, and I was like, "Wow, what a gift that I'm able to stay home with this kid." Because I, there's nobody I want to be around more than this Aww, little baby, you know. Wow. And so I was like, you know, I, I loved it. I would like fly to New York to see my friends, and like, you know, I breastfed him until he was like four. Like I was that mom, and I just all I, the way, <laughs> all the way. <laughs> I just loved it so much. And then I had my second son like two and a half years later. And then it got a little harder. And I was like, oh, two kids. And when when Kit, my younger one, started crawling, and you know, Grant was already walking at that point, obviously. And they we I remember like very vividly taking them to the park and like they went that way. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit. Like <laughs> this is so much <laughs> malware. You know? <laughs> and I think it's like the stress level went up immediately. And, and you know, and at that point, after about five years of staying home with both of them, I just got this like craving to go and do something for myself. And also you've had kids and you know what it's like when you're with your kids all day, like you're not having adult conversation. And so I think I was feeling like very unstimulated in my mind and I loved my kids and loved being around my kids, but I just needed something else for me. And I realized that. And that's when I Decided to start my mobile blowout business because I had spent like ten years in the salon industry before I met my. You didn't Persephone. want to go back to that. I didn't want to go back to that, but I was like, "What can I do on this like new mom pace?" And I knew I could do blowouts really easily, so I was like, "This is the perfect business for me." I, and Cam, who's my ex husband, who made the dry, did all the dry bar creative and everything you ever see with dry bar, he's just he's a genius. He's brilliant, and he made me a one page website. That was called Straight at Home. And I started like putting in a, again, this was like 15 years ago now, probably. So it was before like Instagram was a thing. And, but there was like Yahoo groups. You remember Yahoo groups? I mean. Was anybody
0: like, in Yahoo groups? Curious.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, maybe. Wow. Well, there was this thing called Yahoo groups. And there was one in LA called Peachhead, which was like, all the moms went to this thing. It was like 5,000 moms. So every mom used this as like, yeah, I need a babysitter. Like what's the best crib or stroller or whatever. And so I put, I was a part of this group and I posted that I was a stay-at-home mom and I was thinking about starting a mobile blowout business. And I was like, just to get out of the house for a couple hours. I'm really good at hair. Was anybody interested? I'm thinking I'd charge like 35 or 40 bucks. I put that out and got inundated with requests. And I was like, Oh, good. Okay, and so I that started my mobile blow up business, and that was really would you know obviously turn out to be such a serendipitous thing that really did lead to Drybar because first of all it was the price point. I charged forty dollars because it was a very scientific you know plan. I was like, oh, two twenties. Most people have two twenties, you know. <laughs> and I also felt like if I didn't charge that much money, people would call me because it's similar to the thing I was saying in the beginning. It's like most house calls, you know, let alone going to a salon, house calls are really expensive to get a stylist to come to your house, especially in LA. And I was like, screw that. I don't really care about the money. I really didn't care about the money. I was more like wanting to do something for my, myself. And, and, you know, between the gas and whatever, I'm sure I didn't actually make any money, but like, who cares? It, it led to Drybar, right? And that was really what happened is like, I got so busy in this mobile business and it just grew and grew from word of mouth. And, you know, eventually I was like, I think I need to like branch this out. And maybe instead of me going to them, they come to me. And that was really how Drybar was born. That is so cool. That's so cool. Okay. What's your biggest challenge right now? I think I'm in a little bit of a reinvention. You know, I mean, it's like I was saying how, you know, I, I feel this like calling to Help other entrepreneurs, but I'm, I, you know, I'm at a weird place in my life of like I've been growing and building and something for so long, for so many years, and like raising little kids, and now my, like, you know, it's like everything in my life has changed so much that I'm now I'm like, huh what did like the next like 20 30 years look like and i'm just trying to figure out that this part. new identity almost yeah it's like a new identity and it's like also i think kind of like mixed in with like this like midlife and like who am i now and what's important totally. now and all of that stuff so i'm i'd say that's like the biggest challenge that's in front of me right now yeah but in like a good way it's not a daunting exploration it's kind of an exciting exploration but it's it reminds me it reminds me of like when I was 20, you know, it's like, remember when you were like 20 and you had your whole life in front of you and you were like, what am I going to do? You know, I'm kind of like, what am I going to do now? You know? And it's, it's I think a lot of people can relate to that actually. Yeah. I think you get to our point in our life and we're like, what's, what's now, you know? So what are
0: you doing to navigate that? Because I think a lot of people can relate to that. What do I do now? Like I have more freedom. I've also done XYZ or... I just feel something calling within me and I'm not sure all the details. What do you do to navigate?
1: Well, I'm I'm definitely in that exploration phase right now. And it's interesting because right now through like the end of the year, you know, my book launches November 14th and then that'll take us up to like the end of the year. Right. And I have like, I'm like, what am I going to be doing come January? And I have, I mean, nothing concrete, but I, there's a lot of, conversations happening around my book becoming some kind of show or doing something around that, which I think would be really fun. And whether it's like kind of a documentary reality or a scripted or something, there's just a lot of conversations kind of happening around it now, which it will be, would be fun. And that could maybe be something like it. I think it'd be really fun to be like an executive producer on something like that.
0: Oh, that's cool. So maybe something in that realm. She's
1: basically following curiosity. She's following what
0: maybe people have shared or maybe just thinking yeah. about things differently with yeah. no attachment.
1: Yeah. A so that's like something that I think. And you know and I'm also just like exploring. There's actually this place that a friend of mine started, which I don't really love the name, but it's called Modern Elders Academy, where people who are in there like elders, you think of like really old people, which is why I don't like the name. And his the guy who started is Chip Conley. And he's amazing. He's a bestseller. Have you heard of him? Yeah. He's written like five or six bestsellers. He has like a master's in psychology, but he actually was one of the like early, he helped build Airbnb. And obviously Airbnb is very successful and had a lot of like some crazy life stuff happen, had cancer, got divorced. Like, you know, his life fell apart when he was older and kind of went through this same like, who the hell am I now? And what am I doing? Because, you know, like being part of Airbnb and building and growing and selling that company and you're like what do I do now? You know, and it's, I want to be careful of how I say this because, you know, it's like, oh, you look at someone like him or potentially like me who sold a company and you're like, well, you have, you know, money and time and research. You can do anything you want. It's like, but I don't want to just like not do anything. I, yeah. It's like, I don't want to go sit on a beach. I mean, I want to do that a little bit, but not all the time. It's like, I want purpose. I mean, we all need and want purpose, you know? And so what is my purpose now? And and that's really what I'm exploring. And and I'm going to this... The reason I bring up Modern Elders is because I'm going and doing that next month. And it's like a five-day, very intensive. You're with like 25 other people who are also in the same boat. You that's know, cool. Isn't that cool? So I don't boat, like the name either. I know. I keep telling him and he knows too, but not my problem. Not his. It's yeah. um, <laughs> so obviously you're going there, so it's not his problem. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So, you know, it's a really interesting... Like that's a part of my journey. And, you know, I've, I've also... again, I feel this like calling of like being of service has been really strong for me. Like I'm just getting into this big volunteer program at CHLA, which I'm really looking forward to. They have like a baby holding, like a baby cuddler you hold it. So it's like sad and sweet. It's like these babies who are in the NICU and their parents have to work. So like babies really need to be held. And it's like a whole thing. And it's, it's amongst other, a lot of other things that they do there. But I'm really excited to do that. And, and I'm just trying lots of things right now. I'm trying different like art projects. Like I really I want love a flower this. garden. Like, I don't know. I think you it's know, important. Who knows where it all leads. I
0: think it's important for someone to hear this because there's a lot of people that are in transitions or they'll claim they're in a transition and they're trying to figure it out. And they're like, what's my purpose? And it's like, you don't have to know, just stay in the curiosity and try lots of things. And you're doing
1: that. It, which is, you know, it's the reason I bring up, I feel like I felt when I was 20 is because it's the advice that i give to young entrepreneurs it's like don't follow the money follow what you love and back when i was in my early 20s i was i lo- really loved hair and doing hair and, and then i you know and then i loved having babies and i wanted to do that and then i was like i want to go back to hair you know and and i had a couple other jobs when i lived in new york city that i was like let me try this and i was like no i don't like that but i was just trying things you know and at this phase of my life i am trying things again and i i so wholeheartedly believe That to your point, exploring your curiosity and what you like leads you one way or another to something that ends up being something that you do make money off of, but you weren't, that wasn't the big goal, you know?
0: Oof, so good. Okay, I want to ask you to tell the group, let's imagine millions of people are in this room, like beyond, 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 beyond. You can just look out and you have one sentence. Oh, man. That's it. You so have one much sentence. Pressure. and you're done. Like you're off this planet. I think I would say enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. I am so grateful to have you on today. Thank you, thank you for sharing vulnerably and fun and also just how this works when it comes to navigating life and different identities of who we are and where we're at in this evolution of life. So yeah. cool. And enjoy the journey. I love this. Thank you so much, Allie, yes, for being thank on you. the podcast. Thank you. Do you ever feel like you need an extra push to feel inspired or motivated to take on the day? I know I do at times. And are you searching for a sign to nudge you one step closer to achieving your goals? I've decided to do something and I'm doing it absolutely free. All you have to do is text joy. You're going to text joy to 720. Grab your pen and paper right now. 720-706-5956. And I'm going to send you free weekly inspirational messages from me directly to your phone. We don't have to do this life alone. I want to be there as a support. So just go ahead and simply text JOY to 720-706-5956. And I'm going to be sending you free. It might be an affirmation or encouragement, maybe a meditation, something that will help you start your week in the right foot with a simple message from me. Again, text JOY. And I'm going to give you that number one more time, 720-706-5956 to receive free weekly inspirational messages from me directly to your phone. I love you.